Well, so speaking of rum, we mentioned the Bacardi distillery. Did either of you make it over for a tour of the Bacardi distillery? I'm guessing Heather didn't because she has two kids with her. So probably not not the friendliest. I don't know. They give out free shots. It might help with the little ones. everyone before we dive into tonight's show last week we announced that we had started a patreon to help support the show and defray some of our costs and this week i am here to thank four very generous individuals who have become our first four patreons so let me start by welcoming steve elsis to the animators palette tier of our patreon jennifer swart and chris braga who joined us at the palo dinner tier and jessica fell who joined us at the remy brunch tier as a patreon so just want to thank each of them for joining our patreon crew and uh, really appreciate the support that they're providing if you're interested in becoming a patreon and helping to support the show you can head over to the dclduo.com and click on become a patron at the top of the page or you can head over to patreon.com and search for dcl duo so with those thanks out of the way let's get into our show welcome back everybody to the dcl duo podcast and On this week's show, we are continuing our discussion of the various Disney Cruise Line embarkation ports. And today we're heading all the way down to Puerto Rico for the San Juan Puerto Rico home port for Disney Cruise Line. And so we've got some fabulous guests on today who have sailed out of Puerto Rico. Neither Sam nor I have sailed out of Puerto Rico yet. I visited Puerto Rico on a cruise, but I haven't sailed out of Puerto Rico on Disney Cruise Line. And I've never been. Yeah. So, but let's start by welcoming our guests. Let's start by welcoming a first time guest of the show, Heather. Welcome, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. And welcoming back what I think is a three-peat guest, Drew. Welcome, Drew. Thank you. Yep. This is my third time. Glad to be back. We are we are happy to have you back. Well, we like to start our show with Disney backgrounds. So let me start with Drew. Drew, you want to remind folks, you've been on several times, so you may have a more abbreviated version, but do you want to remind folks of your Disney background? Yeah. Um, went to Disney just once when I was a kid, actually. And when I was four, didn't get to go back until I went back on my honeymoon and fell back in love with it. Have always loved the movies and everything associated with Disney and went back on my honeymoon to Disney World, fell in love and now have went on Disney cruises, become DVC members, went to Disneyland Paris, Disneyland out in California, hitting it all now that I've rediscovered my love for Disney. Yeah. Nice. And remind folks of your Disney Cruise Line experience too, one more time. Yeah. So we've actually only been on two, a seven night on the Fantasy out of Port Canaveral and then seven night on the Wonder out of San Juan to the Southern Caribbean. If we were able to sail this year, we would have added two more to that. We would have, we were on the first seven night for the Dream, which got canceled. And then also an Alaska cruise, which is still not canceled, but I assume it will be soon. (laughs) Yeah. Right. If Canada is not letting us sail, it's kind of a problem. Yeah. (laughs) Steep road to climb for Alaska this year, for sure. Um, Well, Heather, you're a first time guest. So what's your, what's your Disney background for folks in your experience with Disney Cruise Line? Sure. As a child, I went to Disney practically every year to Walt Disney World since I live on the East Coast. But when we spent time in California, we also went to Disneyland. (laughs) I took a break, I would say, from my senior year in high school until I guess about 12 years later when I had my daughter. We took her there 
and she was about 18 months old and we fell in love and have been going about every year since Walt Disney World. Three years ago, we started cruising and we've been on three cruises. Our last one was right before everything shut down. So we were in our cruise was February 2020 and that cruise sailed out of San Juan. Really nice. And for the benefit of our listeners, we actually met Heather on a cruise a couple of years ago. And so that's how we connected. And uh, Heather and I connected through one of the Facebook groups before our cruise left. And that was one out of Port Canaveral. It was I'm trying to remember, I think it was an Eastern Caribbean. You are correct. Well, it would be a good guess yeah. because I think all the <laughs> cruises we've taken out of Port Canaveral, like they've all been Eastern Caribbean except for one. We, we took a Southern Caribbean too. Yeah. Anyway, we we had met through the Facebook group and then we met up while on the ship to introduce our, our sons. And we also uh, had drinks at Skyline on the Fantasy. So it was a really nice way to make friends through, you know, obviously the Disney Facebook groups and through the Disney Cruise Line uh, community in general. Well... Let's shift over to our topic for the day, sailing out of San Juan. So I think we start at the top, right, Sam? I think we start with, so where the heck do we fly into if we're catching the ship uh, out of San Juan for a fabulous Disney cruise? Heather, where are we flying into? You're flying into San Juan. Well, that's easy. (laughs) (laughs) Are are there any other options? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Helicopter from Miami, probably, but that's for the rich and famous, but yeah. (laughs) But well, I guess you could fly in someplace else in the Caribbean, but you would still have to then get either a short flight or a or a ferry boat or something to San Juan. Yeah, I know there is another airport, but I think it's more akin to the smaller regional airports, sort of like the other airport that you can fly into in Orlando, but uh, nobody really does, I feel like, unless you fly particular airlines. You know, you mainly fly MCO in San Juan, you fly to SJO, I think it is. And I, I have never flown into San Juan. What's the airport like? How big is it? Is it difficult to navigate or easy to navigate? I find it fairly easy to navigate. I mean, I would say that it's it's a lot like a, a smaller airport you would go through here in the United States. Very easy to navigate. Everything was in English and Spanish, so it was very easy to see where you were and where you were trying to go and all that sort of thing and, and get out and get on your way. And I would say one of the my favorite things is because it is a U.S. territory, your cell phone signal works down there on the same system. You don't have to pay any kind of international plan as you do here. So you can get off and call an Uber or a Lyft or something to take you to your hotel or wherever you're trying to go. And it's very easy and you don't have to, like again, have any kind of special plan to use your phone in port. Well, you're, you're heading into our next topic, which is, you know, how do you get from the airport to the hotel or the cruise ship? Let me step back and ask one question, which is, let me start with you, Heather. Heather, when you went out of San Juan, did you use Disney to plan the pre-cruise, post-cruise, uh, either hotels or transfers, uh, or did you do that on your own? We did that on our own. Yeah, we found that it was, we wanted to spend a couple of days in San Juan before getting onto the ship. So we looked in one of the Disney Facebook groups for our cruise and we looked at where people were staying prior to embarkation. So we picked a hotel that was in Condado, which is about 15 to 20 minutes from the airport and 10 minutes maybe to the port. We took a taxi and I just remember the taxi line being quite long at the airport, but we took a taxi from the airport 
to the hotel because the Lyft and the Uber were not picking us up for about 20, 25 minutes. So we got in the long taxi line and we eventually got to the hotel. The hotel itself was lovely, right on the beach, walking distance to various restaurants. It was really a great little stop before our time on the ship. So much so that my children cannot wait to go back to San Juan. They loved the hotel so much and they just loved San Juan. They would make a trip just of that. Wow. Do you remember which hotel it was, Heather? We stayed at the AC Hotel in Condado. Okay. Is that, now, is Condado, is that in walking distance to like the old town and port area? Or is that, you know, what you said, it's maybe 10 minutes away. Are we talking 10 minutes driving, 10 minutes walking? 10 minutes driving. It's not near old San Juan. And we did that intentionally at the time. There were some, there was some political unrest and there were protests in old San Juan. So we wanted to avoid that area and we didn't find any issue with it, but it was not in old San Juan area. Looks like kind of there's like some causeways, Sam, between Condado, which is actually, I think it might be Condado Beach or the beach area. So it's like Condado's right on the water. And yeah, you can, it, you can tell it's just a, it's, it's, it's a drive, not a walk over to old San Juan from there. Yeah, we actually stayed in Condado as well before our cruise. So we did similar research. We actually found an Airbnb. We were going on this cruise with another couple that we knew from a previous cruise. And we actually found an Airbnb to share with them that was in walking distance to the beach. And we stayed in Condado as well. And yes, you have to, when you leave uh, Condado, you go out and you go over a bridge to be able to get to the island area where old San Juan is. That's how how difficult was that to figure out, Drew, with regard to, you know, find, figuring out where to stay and getting an Airbnb. Obviously, anyone who's used Airbnb or VRBO knows it's it's pretty simple to use as far as an app or a website, but figuring out whether or not you were going to be in a, you know, a nice place and in a nice neighborhood, how did you go about figuring that out? Yeah, there's just a little bit of independent research you have to do looking around, kind of seeing, uh, making sure that where you're staying is, uh, like you said, going to be safe and things like that. But I would actually say overall, I felt very safe in San Juan. Um, There were, of course, you know, like there is with any city, there are definitely probably some parts of town or, you know, certain areas you want to avoid, but you get that with any major U.S. city. So as long as I, I think as long as you use common sense, uh, you know, keep your eyes open, you do all the things that you would normally do in a big city. Uh, it's pretty safe to kind of walk and get around. And, and I felt pretty comfortable everywhere we went. How was it getting from the airport to downtown? Heather, you mentioned using a, a cab because an Uber or Lyft was going to take a little while. Drew, how did you get to your Airbnb? Yeah. So from the airport, we actually used a cab as well. It's interesting there. They have like a system where they have like kind of a a notepad, but it has set destinations on it. So they would circle the airport and say we wanted to go to Condado. They would circle Condado and that trip is like a set certain amount so that, you know, I think it's to kind of control and make you feel comfortable. Like you're not going to get ripped off or pay something like every trip from the airport to Condado is going to cost 20 bucks or something. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, so actually we used the taxi to get from the airport to the, our first stay in Condado for the same reason that Heather mentioned is it was going to be a long wait for an Uber or Lyft at the airport. However, once we got to Condado, we used Uber and Lyft to actually get around the city and go different places that we wanted to go. 
And was that a pretty seamless experience for you? Was it like here where there's a ton of them and it's just easy to get? Oh yeah, absolutely. It was just like you would use it in any major city here in America. Like you push it in like, you know, sometimes you could get one and they're right around the corner. Sometimes it's 20 minutes before they'll, you, you'll be able to get one to show up. But uh, yeah, it was a pretty seamless effort. That's great. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the nice thing about Puerto Rico. It, it is part of the Caribbean, but it is a U.S. territory. So when it comes to a lot of the amenities and, and things that they have, you're going to see probably more similarity with mainland U.S. than you're going to see if you are on another Caribbean island. So Heather, what kinds of things did you do before the cruise and how did you scout those out? We relaxed a lot before the cruise. <laughs> nice. And we were only in San Juan for a total of 38 hours or so. So not a long time. But we went to the pool that they had. We went to the beach and we went to the best breakfast place that I think we've ever been. Oh, wow. That's high honors. Yes. It was called the Bistro Cafe in San Juan. And it was amazing. I had an avocado that was filled with smoked salmon that was so good. The kids had these waffles. One was like a Nutella waffle. Just the waffles themselves were so amazing. And the drinks were beyond. They had mimosas filled with fresh fruit. And then they put a popsicle in the mimosa. So that was fun. And they had also intricate hot chocolate drinks as well that the kids got and loved. So we went there every day for breakfast, all, you know, two days that we had, but it was great and I highly recommend it. Oh, that sounds delicious. Now your cruise, I'm trying to remember, was your cruise coming back to San Juan at the end or did you, or was your cruise ending it in Florida? Our cruise was a repositioning cruise. Oh, that's right. So we yeah. started in San Juan and we ended in New Orleans and it was their, the ship's first time in New Orleans. Oh, that's right. I knew I remembered it was a one way. I just didn't remember where it ended. And so, Heather, you came in a couple of days in advance, it sounds like. Drew, did you fly in the day before or were you there for a few days as well before the cruise left? Yeah, we actually were there two full days before it left and then stayed the day after and flew out the next day when we got back into port. And so beforehand, Drew, anything that you did that you really enjoyed or how did you find things to do before the cruise left? Yeah, absolutely. So as Heather mentioned, we did relax some. The The beach there in Condado is great. They It's a public access beach, but you can just walk out there, relax. They have people there where you can rent chairs, just like, you know, a lot of the Caribbean beaches that you can visit. One of the things that uh, I thought was unique, and I think I might have mentioned it when I was on my, the, talked about the year of Disney when we were here. Uh, there's this lady that walks with these huge bags down the, up and down the beach. And she's known... You can look her up on Yelp. It's just empanada lady. And they're some of the best empanadas I've ever had. And it's just by this lady that just makes them at home and walks up and down the beach, selling them out of these big, like warmer bags that she carries up and down the beach. And they were delicious. Oh, I was just saying that that just sounds amazing. Like I, I, I'm not sure that there's better experience than, than grabbing, you know, local food on a beach. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, street food, street food. I yeah, feel like, well, that's I feel like the, you Anthony know. Bourdain introduced us all to the notion that street food can be just as good as anything else. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's I mean, really good. Yeah, and often better. Yeah, and I actually tried a lot of food. I have a page of notes here, and I bet like half of it is food and what I ate while I was there. <laughs> to, she, Heather talked about breakfast. We found a place that made what are called Mallorcas, which is this breakfast sandwich. It had like meat, egg, and cheese all kind of baked inside this warm bread, and then it was covered in powdered sugar and it was just like the perfect kind of sweet and savory combination i think it was originally from like cuba but we tried it there and that was uh incredible now, uh, another thing we did was there's this place called uh, Lot 23, and it is like an outdoor food hall. It's basically almost looks like f- a bunch of food trucks, but they're kind of a permanent fixture there where you can go and walk through and they have like all kinds of different kinds of food that you can get there and try. And the other food item while we're talking about food that I wanted to try uh, point out is you must try... Mafungo while you're there. I was hoping yes. you were going to say mafungo. Yeah. Oh, what's mafungo? It's like plantains. They fry the plantains and then they form them into kind of the shape of a cone. It sounds weird. It kind of is weird, but it's delicious. And once they form them into the cone, they fill it with all kinds of like meat and vegetables inside the plantain and then kind of put sauce over top of it. But there's a bunch of different sauce combinations, different kind of meats. We actually, we found this place in Old San Juan called Raices, R-A-I-C-E-S. And it was the best mofongo we had down there, our very favorite. And they had what they called mofongazo, which was just like every meat you could imagine <laughs> yeah. in there. And it was great. I've heard that's what I, so I have a good friend at work who is from Puerto Rico. He swears by Mafungo and tells me all the time about it. And because I, I actually love plantains, but uh, my understanding is that Mafungo, uh, the traditional way is, is with, I think, maybe pork, but you can have like any kind of meat. So they'll do like chicken or shrimp or vegetable or octopus or beef. But yeah, but it's just super popular in Puerto Rico. It's super popular in the Dominican Republic as well. And it's a local delicacy, basically. Drew, any more recommendations on your side for food before we shift over to to Heather? I'm loving all of these food recommendations. Uh, The only other thing I would say is make sure if you like alcohol to get a pina colada there. That's where it was invented and they're great. Of course, that's where the Bacardi distillery is. So that's where like Bacardi is made. So if you're you're inclined to drink alcohol and you like a pina colada, definitely check it out while you're there because they make good ones. With Bacardi there, you can get a a Cuba Libre. The original rum and coke is the Cuba Libre from San Juan. So yeah, uh, it's a great, great, Great recommendation, Drew. Heather, what about you? Did you did you have any fantastic food memories from your time in San Juan? Well, I think breakfast filled us up. But <laughs> yeah, going from the mimosas to the mojitas in San Juan, if we're going talking about drinks here, were so good. And we stuck to like fresh seafood while we were there from the different restaurants that we went to. But everything was delicious and great. Well, so speaking of rum, we mentioned the Bacardi Distillery. Did either of you make it over for a tour of the Bacardi Distillery? 
I'm guessing Heather didn't because she has two kids with her. So probably not not the friendliest. I don't know. They give out free shots. It might help with the little ones. Uh, (laughs) Drew, did you make it over then? (laughs) Unfortunately, we did not. It was uh, on our list of things to do, but there was actually a very big festival going on in Old San Juan that I'll talk about later if you want. Because that was going on, we actually went and experienced that festival instead of doing some of the other things. Because that festival, the festival that we were, uh, that was going on, which is the Festival de San Sebastian only happens one weekend a year and it happened to be the weekend we were there in January. So we were like, we can go back some other time and go to the distillery and things, whereas this festival only happens this one time, so... Well, I will just, I will quickly jump in. I have been to the Bacardi Distillery. So the cruise that I took that stopped in San Juan, and then I will preface this with, by saying this was ages ago that I've been there, but you know, I'm, I'm assuming it has not changed a ton, but the distillery tour I thought was really kind of fun and interesting. It, you know, taught you how they make rum down there and the history of the Bacardi family, which is in and of itself interesting and a, a, a neat little sort of political backstory there because the Bacardi family was evicted from Cuba and their, you know, their plantations and rum distilleries in Cuba were all taken over by the government. And so they came to San Juan and kind of reopened their businesses. So it's interesting to see the history of it. They also give out some free samples of their rum and it's delicious. And so so it's a fun little afternoon tour that I think is, is worth doing if you're stopping off in San Juan and have the time. I think before we get to the festival, I think the other big things in San Juan, or one of the big things is the sort of old fort there in Old Town San Juan. Did either of you manage to wander through Old Town? Heather, let's start with you. That is one thing that we want to do when we go back is go to the fort. The other thing that we didn't get to do that we really wanted to do was a bioluminescence tour, which looks unbelievable, but there just simply wasn't enough time on our trip. Bioluminescent algae? Yeah, bioluminescent algae in a bay. We we didn't get to do that either because, again, we prioritized the festival over some of the other things, but it looks incredible. I, I'll agree. Drew, did you make it down to Old Town and the fort in Old Town? Yeah, we actually went to Old Town a lot because that's where the festival that was taking place was. So we went to Old San Juan. The fort is uh, there's two forts actually there's one which is the big one that is called el moro um it's actually what the entrance to pirates of the caribbean in florida is based off of so like if you see turret there are turrets and things in the entrance to pirates of the caribbean in florida and they're the same turrets and wall structures and things that you see at el moro in in san juan puerto rico so that's a really cool disney tie-in uh if you weren't aware that you can go and see this giant, um, incredible fort, and then also it's tied in with Disney. Yeah, we went there, and there's actually another fort, a, a, a somewhat smaller fort, but it has a lot more of the historical stuff in it, called the uh, Castillo de or Castillo San Cristobal. And you can actually pay one entry fee, and it gets you into both of them on the same day. So. That's a really cool thing. So if you're into history, uh, again, it's part. It's a U.S. territory. They're actually part of the U.S. National Park Service. So if you have a pass to get into the national parks, it also works there to get into these forts. 
But the fort was incredible. Lots of great history, multiple layers. You can get some incredible views of the city from the fort. And it's pretty cool because it has one of the best views because if you get up on top of it, you can see into the Bay of San Juan, but then you can also look out over and across the ocean. And you actually, to get out of San Juan Bay, where you kind of set sail from, you sail right past the fort. So you you can get a pretty incredible view of it from the ship as well. Yeah, I should also say the fort was, I'm sure it's been featured in other films, but I remember as a kid, it was featured in the film Romancing the Stone. For anyone out there who has seen it, it is the backdrop for the ending of the movie. So it is a cool fort too. I saw it when we stopped in San Juan and it's 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 really neat, the history there of, of that fort. So yeah. There's actually also a, a, a walking path that you can take kind of down in front of the fort that's called the Paso del Moro, which is all along kind of the exterior wall. You're down almost on like water level and you're walking in front of just these huge expansive like you know rock walls that make up this fort and it just really gives you like the sense of like how imposing this fort would be if someone was coming and like trying to take this city back in the day and things like that so it's pretty impressive and when you're going on this walk you also get to see they have these um, areas set up because there's a bunch of stray cats and this ties back to the history but the people would keep them there to keep the rats out and, and it's something that has persisted and stayed today is like there's this culture of just taking care of kind of all these stray kind of city cats, but they're really well cared for. You know, they, they get them veterinary care and everything, but they just kind of are wild and run loose. So there's kind of cats everywhere. There's also a lot of iguanas. <laughs> I remember the iguanas running all over the place. Yeah, yeah. just everywhere. Yeah. So I wanted to note for our listeners that you know, there are cruises, obviously not that many that go out of San Juan on Disney Cruise Line. Other cruise lines have more cruises that go in and out of San Juan. But San Juan is also a port stop on some of the, you know, Southern or Eastern Caribbean cruises that Disney Cruise Line puts on. And often, and I've heard this as a, a tip from a fr- my friend who is from Puerto Rico, you know, we really don't need to do a walking tour excursion of San Juan that because you're, the port is right there in Old Town, you can walk off the ship and just kind of walk around and go see the forts yourself and, you know, walk to local restaurants and bars very easily as opposed to, you know, booking an excursion for a tour guide to take you through the forts and, and whatnot. Um, and unless, so unless you want to do something like the Bacardi tour or the bioluminescent adventure or something like that, there's, you know, you can really do San Juan as a port, as a port day on your own. Do you guys think that's true? Does that seem, you know, doable? I know both of you, you know, sailed out of San Juan and Drew, you sailed back into San Juan, but do you think it would be doable for a port day to just kind of explore on your own? Absolutely. I think it's very walkable and something that you can do a little bit of research in advance and have a fantastic day in San Juan without having something organized. Absolutely. A lot uh, like the food place that I talked about, the uh, both of the forts and old San Juan itself, just exploring the city. There's lots of incredible things, little shops you can just dart in and out of as you're walking through the city. And all of that is within a 10 to 15 minute walk of where you port 
whenever you're there for the day. Because there's actually kind of two different ports. There's the one where you port if your ship is just coming there for the day. And then there's the one where you port where you're actually sailing in and out of. And so it's, I think Royal and Carnival both have like a a dock there in Old San Juan that they can sail in and out of. But most of the docks there in Old San Juan are just used for one day. The ship just pulls right up and you just, you walk off and you are in Old San Juan. Whereas whenever, I I don't know if it was the same for Heather, but whenever we embarked and disembarked, it was over near, basically almost looked like an industrial yard. (laughs) It was more of the kind of port where like, you know, they're onloading and offloading uh, tankers and, you know, the big ships like that. Uh, So it's quite a different experience, at least it was for me, where embarking and disembarking and then single day you get off the cruise. Oh, interesting. How was it for you, Heather? Were you in sort of the old town area or in this more industrial area when you were, I know you were just embarking, not you didn't have disembarkation in in San Juan. Right. Drew brought up a very good point. There are two ports and you have to make sure you're at the right port for your <laughs> your cruise. So that was Heather, it sounds like you might be speaking from experience. I, I... <laughs> we, we, we did get to the right port on the first time. But I know of other people who went to the other port or were thinking that they were sailing out of the other port and booked their hotel reservations around that. So we were out of the Pan American Pier, which was in this like industrial part of town. There really wasn't anything near the port itself. But I do believe you're right, Drew, that there is another port in San Juan that is closer to Old Town. And I, I sailed out of, I, or maybe I stopped there years ago on a cruise. Well, we've talked about some wonderful food. We've talked about some fun things to do. And there are ton, probably tons more things to do in San Juan and great restaurants and things of that nature. So always recommend checking out a website like TripAdvisor if you're trying to figure out how to spend your day or days prior to embarking on a Disney cruise in a new port. But let's talk logistics for a second. Talked about the port a little bit, but what was it like getting to the port? Fairly easy? Did you use Uber Lyft? Drew, what was your experience like? Yeah. So getting to the port wasn't bad. Again, I'm pretty sure we, uh, we did a taxi to get to the port this time. Uh, we set it up beforehand. They came and picked us up. Again, it was one of those things where it was a set price to get from where we were to where we were going. We got there, we paid. So getting to the port wasn't bad, like even going through the industrial zone. Once we got to the port, embarking was a kind of a pain in the butt, at least from our perspective. I hate to say it, but it seemed fairly disorganized, especially considering, you know, other Disney operations that I've seen working. Once we got inside and got checked in, it was much better, but actually getting into the like building itself was kind of a nightmare. Like they were telling people like, go over here, go over here. We're going to make two lines now. No, we're going to combine back into one line. It was just kind of like all over the place. And so it, it getting into the port wasn't the best experience I've ever had. But like I said, once we got to the desk and actually checked in when we were waiting to actually board the ship and uh, things like that, it it, it wasn't bad. And of course, once you get on the ship, it's great. Right. I mean, that's the moment you're waiting for, right? To to get in and, and get announced. Actually, quick question. When you come into the ship from San Juan, from the port there, what floor 
are you coming into? Are you coming into the atrium or are you coming in someplace else? Nope, we did not. We entered through, I guess it's deck two, wherever you go on and off the ship whenever you're getting off at a port for shore excursions. So yeah, we got on and off uh, through deck two. They still have people down there, even characters. Uh, I think, you know, Goofy was still down there and they still had like people uh, calling your name and clapping for you as you got on. But it is a little bit of a a different experience than getting on in that main atrium and, and having that same feeling. That that makes sense. It's a, a bit of a it's a bit of a bummer that you don't because I feel like that when you first get on like at Port Canaveral and you come in through the atrium and they announce you and it's you're walking into this just sort of grand space and it, it's just really exciting. Heather, what was your experience like in getting to the port and the check-in process and and all of that? We had a little bit of a better process when we boarded the ship. So we left our hotel, we ordered an Uber, and it was there within minutes. We took the Uber, arrived at the port, they took our luggage, checked it right in curbside. It was lovely. Then we went to the check-in desk. I feel like we had a shorter wait get checking in than we did at Port Canaveral in our experience. And then we went into the main area when you waited for your boarding group. That did take a little bit longer. It reminded me of an airport boarding area where it was just like a big room with chairs where people could sit. They did have some characters that you could take your picture with to pass the time. So we did that. (laughs) And then once our group was called, we boarded the ship. And you're, uh, Drew, you're right. We did board, I think, on the second floor, but they still made it feel special with announcing your name. But it was a little bit different than Port Canaveral and entering into the lobby. You know, one thing I forgot to ask you, Heather, your youngest still in a booster seat. Yes. How, how did you carry around a booster seat for the lifts and the Ubers? Did you just kind of white knuckle it? Like, <laughs> do they were the lifts or Ubers? Do they have ones with car seats or 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 um, booster seats or anything like that? I you know I forget because I it's technically not international travel, but you know it's a pain to schlep that car seat or booster seat with you. How did that work? Right. We brought the bubble bum as a booster seat, and we used that when we were in the lifts and the Ubers and the taxi cab, I should say for that matter. I do not believe I saw any car seats or booster seats in any of the cars that we were in. They didn't offer to us. So we just brought the bubble bum anytime we were in that type of transportation. Yeah, that's that's a really smart way to go. We have, what's the one that we have, Brian, that is a sort of a fold up? It's the... It was like the MyFold or something like that? MyFold, that's it. That's it. We have a MyFold that I think the the bubble bum is, is more compact because you, you know, take the air out of it, right? These are kinds of things you have to think about as a, a parent with younger children. Now, you know, if you have an infant or a really young kid, you're going to need to schlep that car seat. But if you have a little bit of an older kid who's still in a booster seat, then you can get away with this, this my fold or the the bubble bump. So yeah, he thought it was great because this was like the first time he was in like a five point harness at the time. So. <laughs> right. Because he was probably at the point where you could use a booster seat, but you're using still probably your larger car seat when you went on this cruise in the, at least in the U.S. under like, or under on mainland uh, state regulations. Yes. So he thought the bubble bum was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Love it. <laughs> and so what's the port like? Is it just like a big industrial building kind of, I don't know if it doesn't sound like either of you have sailed out of San Diego before. It's certainly not the experience of Port Canaveral, but is it just kind of a big open warehouse kind of face or what is it like in a places to wait, things like that if you show up early? Yeah, it's it's just a big warehouse. Not any different than you would see in any other port here in the United States. It's just a big metal building. You walk in and like Heather said, it's kind of just like a big open air room where you're waiting after you're checked in. There's some characters and things, but it's, I think calling it like a, you know, an airplane waiting area is, is pretty apt to that way to describe it because it's just pretty plain and basic. You know, they put stuff in there so that it could be used as a port embarkation and disembarkation area, but it doesn't look like, it looks like it's a multi-use space instead of a dedicated space like they have in Port Canaveral. At what time did you get to the port? I mean, how early were people getting there? Is it kind of the same as Port Canaveral? You know, people showing up around 10, 1030 in the morning. What, what time did you get there, I guess? Yeah, I think we got there around 10, 30, 11. We had our assigned boarding time and we, we kind of stuck to that time slot. I feel like we were there before lunch. So we were on the ship to have lunch uh, once we board it. Yeah. And we had an early port arrival time as well. And we got there on time. I will say that's one thing is we always try to get the earliest port arrival time we can. And if you do that in Port Canaveral, it doesn't matter if you're 10 or 30 and everyone else, everyone gets there way early in Port Canaveral. It doesn't matter what time their port arrival time is. I would say in San Juan, it was much less crowded at the beginning than it usually is at Port Canaveral. Yeah. Now you're, I mean, you're racing in because you, you want to get to Cabanas, right? You want to get some lunch. You got it. <laughs> and, and make sure you've got your, you know, the right dining time if you want it early dining or late dining and make sure you get your Apollo brunch or Apollo dinner if you're sailing on the Wonder, we said, right? So. Yeah, we're, we're still silver. So we always make the dart for wherever they're signing up for Apollo if we didn't get it beforehand. That all makes sense. Okay. So any, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit, Drew, about disembarkation. And then I do want to hear about the festival that you went to as well. So what was disembarkation like? You know, how do they, how do they get you off the ship? Is it by group or just tell us what the process was like? Yep. It was just like getting off the ship in Port Canaveral where you get, based on when your dinner time is, you get a time to get off the ship, you know, when you can go eat breakfast and when you get off the ship and you got off the ship and in that same warehouse that they were using to uh, hold you for embarkation where they just had a bunch of chairs. Now you just went in there and it was just everybody's suitcases everywhere. <laughs> and so you went and you found your suitcase, you got it, you went through customs, and then you were just out in that industrial yard. And thankfully, they have tons of taxis stacked up because they know Disney is getting back into port. So they had tons of taxis. We got in and they took us to our hotel over in old San Juan and we just enjoyed the rest of our trip. I was in, it, Disembarkation was way easier than embarkation in my experience. Now, I want to hear about this festival that you got to go to, Drew. It, I understand there's only it only happens once a year. Yeah, so it's every year in January and it's called the Festival de, de San Sebastian. It's just, it basically takes over all of old San Juan. There are, there were like seven music stages that had live music every night playing everywhere. 
tons of street food, you know, that you could just pass and grab things. It was all great. Of course, lots of alcohol. And we went right before the pandemic really kicked off, (laughs) you know, in January of 2020. So looking back now, it's just there were hundreds of thousands of people there. So it was it's just so many people in a huge crowd walking around, eating food, listening to lots of live music. It was just a, a, a pretty incredible experience and a great celebration of kind of like Puerto Rican culture and the, the their life, livelihood and things like that. I would say three-fourths of it, probably fine for kids to go to this festival. But there were definitely certain parts of the festival where it was like, maybe not children here. <laughs> <laughs> There were definitely some topless women and other things going on that it was like, maybe, you know, some people might not want to introduce their children to that yet. Um, so I, most of it would have, was fine, but there were definitely uh, around a couple of the stages were a little more party, a little more adult than some of the other areas. Uh, before we move over to our rapid fire round, Heather and Drew, I'm wondering if either of you have any additional recommendations or tips and tricks that we haven't talked about for sailing in or out of San Juan or for just making a stop in San Juan. Heather, anything you can think of? When we were sailing out of San Juan, we didn't know what to expect because we had only sailed out of Port Canaveral and always done Disney World either before or after our cruise. So this cruise, we weren't doing Disney World and we didn't know if we would have as much fun before or after. And we definitely did. Take the time to experience San Juan a little bit and um, you're ending in San Juan as well. Take that time too. And it's just a nice relaxing vacation with some history and culture as well. Absolutely. I would encourage anyone who has the chance to uh, stop in San Juan to absolutely take that opportunity. And the only thing that we didn't talk about that I wanted to mention here is there's also uh, within driving distance of the city, it's called El Yunque National Rainforest. It's actually the only rainforest within the U.S. forestry system. And so it's pretty interesting and unique to you could go and experience a rainforest in San Juan. So that's the only only last thing I'd like to call out that if you're looking and that might be something you're interested in is going and hiking there. I also think you can take with that bioluminescent tour, I think you drive through El Yonke to get to it. So if you want to kind of do a two for one type of day, I highly recommend that. Yeah, they're very close. Lots of great tips in here from where to stay to food to making sure you get to the right port per Heather's <laughs> suggestion. Lots of great tips. So I really appreciate all the tips. Let's let's uh, we've reached the point in our show where we should head over to rapid fire. So I'm going to throw it over to Sam since it's her favorite part of the show. So Sam, you want to take rapid fire? Yeah. So I know Drew, you've done this before. I've tried to make these questions more Disney Cruise Line focused. Uh, there are no right answers, and the only rule of rapid fire is there are no rules. So Heather, we'll start with you. Who is your favorite Disney? Disney or Pixar character? Duffy the bear. Oh, love oh, it. Duffy, yeah. <laughs> Drew, what about you? Winnie the Pooh. He's a big softy that loves to eat and so am I. <laughs> <laughs> love it. All right. Your favorite Disney or Pixar movie? Drew, we'll start with you on this one. Currently Moana. Last time I was on the ship in January of last year, I watched it up on Funnel Vision in the middle of the ocean on a sea day and I bawled and <laughs> I just love it. Oh. Heather, same question. Favorite Disney or Pixar movie? This is a tough one. Cinderella is was always my favorite Disney movie growing up. 
but I would say a close second is Beauty and the Beast. Both great ones. Favorite Disney song, Heather? All right. My favorite Disney song, I Just Can't Wait to Be King. And that's probably from, because of the Disney filler magic. Love it. Drew, what about you? Favorite Disney song? Mine is actually a villain song, and (laughs) it is Be Prepared, also from Lion King. Jeremy Irons' voice on that is incredible. And even when Alan Cummings, the voice of Winnie the Pooh, takes over for him halfway through because Jeremy Irons threw out his voice trying to sing it. But (laughs) both are incredible. I love that song. And a lot of the villain songs are my favorite. Maybe that says something about me. I don't know. (laughs) Nice. All right. Favorite Disney Cruise Line ship? Drew, we'll start with you. The Fantasy. Uh, We rebooked to go on it next January, actually stopping in San Juan. We love the Fantasy. I love the bigger ships, The just a lot more to do. Like you said, we love sea days. So having more to do and more of a ship to explore on those sea days, as well as the Satellite Falls adult-only area on the bigger ships is really nice. What about you, Heather? Favorite ship? Our favorite ship is the Dream, but close second is the Fantasy because we like a longer cruise as well. Favorite Disney Cruise Line port? And we'll start with Heather. Well, Castaway Key. Yeah. If not Castaway Key, what would be your second choice? We normally don't get off of the ship. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Okay. Fair enough. Drew, favorite DCL port? It would probably be one of the ABC islands that we went to. And right now I'm leaning towards Bonaire. We went snorkeling there and it was just incredible getting to snorkel by a reef and things. Check that out. So I I think right now I'm going to go with Bonaire if it's not Castaway Key. Yeah. All right, Drew, favorite onboard food? It's the chicken parm from Palo. (laughs) It's so good. Yeah. uh, And the souffle to go with it. Um, (laughs) Well, that's the great thing about this. You can pick two and that's all right. (laughs) Heather, what about you? Favorite onboard food? Mickey waffles. I'm kind of a classic here. That's, oh yeah, those are delicious. Favorite part of the ship? Heather, we'll start with you on this one. Our veranda rooms. I love sitting out on the veranda either early in the morning, having a cup of coffee or, you know, at sunset, having a glass of wine and just enjoying the ocean. Yeah, nothing better. What about you, Drew? Favorite part of the ship? I love kind of the bow of the ship, how you can walk out and kind of look out over the front of the ships and see everything, especially when you're um, either sailing out or sailing into a port and things like that. I love just standing up there and and watching the world go by. You can have an I'm the king of the world moment too, right? Exactly. (laughs) And favorite onboard activity, Drew? Trivia. Me and my wife make almost every trivia that we possibly can while we're on board the ship. So we we love doing the trivia. Heather, favorite onboard activity? Um, the beverage tastings, but I also discovered on our last cruise, the bingo. And that was a lot of fun. <laughs> I love the bingo as well. And family friendly. That's the nice thing about bingo too. You know, we don't have any gambling on DCL other than bingo, but it's nice because the whole family can enjoy it. B11. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Favorite itinerary that you've been on, Heather? I would say the Eastern Caribbean cruise. What about you, Drew? Favorite itinerary? Definitely the one that sailed out of San Juan, the Southern Caribbean. I don't know what makes them different, but everything just seemed elevated when we were there. And uh, it was, we just had an incredible experience start to finish. 
Yeah. If they ever go to those islands, I think I've got a, that's one we're going to have to book. Adding that to my list of, of itineraries that I want to go on. Yeah, we're we're looking at the Norwegian fjords next year in the new summer release that just happened. So it might change after we sail that because I've heard it's pretty incredible. Are you talking about the September nor- seven night Norwegian fjords? We are. Hmm. We might we be on the same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for the final question of rapid fire, this is your bucket list cruise. Drew, we'll start with you. I think if I could have anything, I would use my DVC points to fly out, stay at Alani for like a week, and then from Alani, take the ship to Tokyo and and go to Tokyo Disneyland and see. And then if it went on and did Shanghai and Hong Kong, I'd be okay with that as well. <laughs> that sounds like an incredible trip. Heather, what about you? I'm joining Drew's cruise. That sounds (laughs) awesome. Um, Yeah, especially we'd love to go to Tokyo. We want to we want to meet Duffy the bear in the worst way. So count me in. Yeah, I love that idea. All right. It sounds like all all three of us are all all three of our groups are going on this fantasy cruise that Drew has created. And I say fantasy because wouldn't it be great if we could even do it on the fantasy? Yes. I don't know. I wish we could do it on the wish. Well, Drew and Heather, it's been great having you on the show this evening to talk all things San Juan, sailing out of San Juan. So thank you so much for coming on. And we hope you have some fabulous Disney cruises in the future and that the ships get back to sailing soon. But thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I hope our show this evening on sailing out of San Juan has piqued your interest in perhaps taking a Disney cruise out of San Juan. It sounds like a great spot to actually get a little relaxation in, maybe discover a little history and check out the Bacardi Rum Distillery. I don't know. It just seems like a a great port to sail out of. So glad we were able to have Drew and Heather on to share their experiences about sailing out of San Juan and uh, just sounds like a fabulous port. So if you sail out of San Juan and you have any tips or tricks for our listeners out there, please hit us up and let us know. We'd love to hear about them. With that, we do have a new five star review to read this week. We have several based on our giveaway that we're doing for that Magic Band reader. So if you are interested in entering that giveaway, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us one of those five-star written reviews, and uh, let us know that you've done that so we can track you down if you do win. But that'll get you an entry into our drawing for the Magic Band reader. But this week, I want to read a review from Hex 96 who writes, Great and informative show. We are huge DCL fans and love hearing tips and tricks as well as other cruisers' experiences. I always look forward to a new show. Well, thanks, Hex 96 Great review review from you and we really appreciate it we always appreciate review and feedback from our listeners so thank you very much for taking the time to leave that for us it's really motivating so with that i do want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening this week please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the dcl duo each week please also leave us those five-star reviews over at apple Podcasts as they are very helpful in surfacing our show to others who might be looking for content like ours if you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. Or you can also join our DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group if you'd like to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. And finally, if you would like to hear your name announced up at the front of the show, you can join our Patreon program and get some fabulous perks while helping to support the show and defray some of our costs and expenses in putting out this podcast each week. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney Family of theme parks. The views expressed on the 
show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Thank you.